Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Live One for One, where we have conversations that challenge us to live a life that will change a life. My name is John, and today I have a really great friend of mine by the name of Nathan Harmoning from Omni Family Foundation. Check it out. So with my man today, uh, Nathan Harmaning from Omni Family Foundation. Did I say your last name right this time? Harmaning? Harmaning. Harmaning. <laughs> the yeah. funny thing is when we were actually, uh, we just recently did a, uh, a nonprofit event together for the Bridge House called Live One for One. And I kept trying to remember your last name over and over <laughs> to make sure I said it right. And then I said it wrong and we spelled it wrong on the screen as yeah. well too. So we just showed you that value of radical hospitality from the bridge house that's right it's a story of my life yeah, man yeah. i mean it is the story of my life so <laughs> i don't even i don't even try no offense taken it's all good i love it dude dude well tell me a little bit about um everybody's listening you know and um some people are not from tennessee that listen some people are some are you know from all walks of life and i think one of the reasons why i love love you man more than anything is just your you have such a huge heart for uh these kids that are have experienced a lot of hurt have been at risk have been either homeless aging out of foster care i mean so many different walks of life that you have really wrapped your um wrapped your life around them for years but i'd love for you to tell everyone a little bit about what you do now and then just kind of um then we i'd love to backtrack too because i don't know as I don't know as friends if we really talked even about like why you even got into this to begin with. Sure. So tell everyone what you do a little bit now and um, go from there. Yeah. So I'm the program director for the Omni Family Foundation. Yeah. Uh, we we try to create pipelines uh, for young adults who've aged out of foster care to uh, exit custody and then um, turn into successful adults. So we we loosely define success because it looks different for everyone. Yeah. Um, but we believe that. Uh, the, the pathway to get there is a combination of very tangible, concrete resources like housing, um, driving school, uh, and then, and, and then bringing the community involved, uh, to, to provide those wraparound supports. So, and, and, and and we, and we try to, um, make that an organic process and, and we want to, we want it to lead to healthy relationships that are long-term. Um, but we really lean into the community for financial literacy, for basic needs support. Mm-hmm. Um, My First Home is a program we're about to start where we're going to start soliciting volunteers to give us uh, gently used furniture oh, so wow. we can so we can then start outfitting our, our kids' apartments. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah, uh, you know, we're there. Part of our model is currently in operation. And then the yeah. other part of it is a little aspirational. So, yeah, Dude, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So funny enough, kind of to backtrack how I met you. So we, I'm, I'm the executive director of a nonprofit and we had this whole idea of, hey, we wanted to provide housing for kids that are aging out of foster care. Kind of that rapid rehousing idea, which is not permanent. It's just kind of grabbing them before they become homeless to then really be able to help them be able to transition to a longer term location, right? Um, and I met with Lance Villo from the governor's office in Tennessee and he said, oh, you got to meet me. Like, this is the guy that you have to connect with. And I remember my first text to you was, uh, hey, man, Lance connected me with you. And you were like, great. What's your first and last name? I was like, uh, John Wick. And and you said, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, seriously. And you were like, 
stop and i was like no just kidding you're like i was gonna say that'd be amazing and then from that point on like you and i have been just yeah I mean, it's just been so fun man to just be your friend and connect with you but the thing that was so neat about you is um immediately like you call me which was sounds crazy to say in you know 2023 that you know someone actually called you but people just don't do that anymore mm, absolutely um, and and even at our age you know it's like people kind of revert more to texting and whatnot but you called me and you're like hey man what's up this is my name i'd love to connect you know here's what i do tell me what you're looking to do and i shared everything that we were thinking about doing and i just honestly had no idea like is this even a good idea mm. or should we backtrack and just scratch it because maybe you know way more than i do about the space and this isn't something that we need and you're like no dude i well one i do know more about the space than you <laughs> you didn't say that but i, I did you, not say yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> but two you were like no man this is out uh, this would be fantastic it is it is really needed so that really gave us i, I think kind of gave me the gas to be able to just continue forward with what we were doing um but one of the things that i noticed about you first off is one Dude, the passion that you have for these kids that, you know, we're talking about, um, these vulnerable youth, um, where does that come from? Because obviously we know you don't get into this to make tons of money. Sure. Um, it's not something that, um, you know, everybody has. Uh, but I'm just curious, like, where, where did that come from? Because you're super passionate. I mean, you inspire me and I consider myself a passionate person about, about it. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for all the kind words, man. Dude, for I, sure. I appreciate that. And and it it didn't take long for me to uh, grab a hold of you either, because uh, I think your passion, you know, also resonates clearly. Sure. Um, so it's been a privilege to get to know you. Uh, I there are a couple different answers to that question. Um, fundamentally, uh, I would say my passion comes from my father. Mm. Um, I. I was one of these kids, uh, or I would say young adults, but I had two parents. Mm -hmm. um, I had a support system, and I made a ton of just terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible decisions. And and I mean, really, I you. I you. you know, I I was thinking on the way here about a story. Um, I was probably 20 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, we lived in a small town outside of Springfield, Illinois. Okay. And, uh, you know, that was back when there were still big blizzards and snowstorms. Yeah, yeah. And I was in Springfield probably partying, doing whatever I was doing. Sure. And uh, there was this snowstorm coming, and I waited to the last minute to try to drive home, and I ended up getting stuck in the snow. And, you know, uh, I could call my dad. Yeah. And... My dad uh, shows up in his Mitsubishi Gallant <laughs> and uh, get, you know, keep in mind, we're on a country road. Yeah. Gets out of the car and he's wearing flip flops. You know, he just because wow. he didn't hesitate. He just got in the car. Wow. And um, and and picked me up. And then yeah. we and then we got stuck in his car. Yeah. And and luckily there was, uh, you know, a truck kind of driving around picking folks up and we had to drive home in the back of this pickup truck. Wow. Um, it was freezing cold, but you know, I, I should have planned for that snowstorm. Yeah. And, and I didn't, and yeah. I made all the wrong choices and I did all of the irresponsible stuff, uh, because I was young and stupid. Sure. And it is without a doubt, there are a couple absolute truths in my life that, uh, w without, I would not be where I am today. Mm-hmm. And one of them, and probably the most important, is my father. Mm. And so when I kind of got into this space, 
um, honestly, I felt ashamed. I was like, how these these kids, you know, they're leaving foster care and there's no one to pick them up in a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no one to call. That's right. There's no one that they can, you know, take advantage of and, and you know, make wrong decisions and have enough time uh, to fail a few times. I mean, I, I right. you know, I lied. I cheated. I stole from my parents. I sure. was not, by all metrics, a good son. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day I woke up mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe that my dad was still there and, yeah. and he never, ever left me. So that really is the core of, of where my passion comes from, because I want to give back the same, try not to get emotional, but no, the, it is emotional, man. The, the same way my dad did. Yeah. Um, and, and these kids, male and female, both, mm-hmm. uh, many of them have some sort of maternal figure in their lives. Yeah. Uh, n- next to none of them have a positive male support. So mm. I just... You know, I, I I wanted to take up that mantle, I guess. You know, I, I kind of got into the space on accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I One day, I, I, I spent my early 20s as a musician and was traveling. Oh, and, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I uh, that's, you know, where the tattoos come from, man. <laughs> I, I, I spent months and months and months out of the year on the road and, and Were you, are you a singer like what do you do i was yeah Get singer yeah singer uh, played play guitar been Come playing on. yeah i've been a musician awesome. since i was about five wow um and uh you know i i got home i was probably 26 i had failed out of college a few times mm. um i got home and i was essentially homeless. My dad had converted my room to his office. He said, mm-hmm. Hey, you can come here and sleep on the floor if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of at that point that I woke up and I was like, I've got to make it, I've got to do something different. Yeah. And so I didn't have any gas money. I Googled the nearest college. I walked down there. I got a student loan and yeah. I, I uh, retook all of the classes I failed. And then by the time I was 28, I graduated with a uh, psychology degree. Wow. Because like many people with a psychology degree, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, sure. and you know, I, I just got the degree. Yeah. Um, turns out there was an acute care facility right next door to my college. So mm-hmm. it is essentially a... Uh, you know, a, a mental institution for adolescents who okay. were experiencing psychotic episodes, were uh, had attempted suicide, uh, were off their meds, et cetera. So yeah. these kids would come there for two to six weeks or maybe a few months okay. to just get evened out. And uh, the girl I was dating at the time told me I should get that job as a resume builder. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I my career was sub shops and, and, right. you know, smoking weed. So, <laughs> so, you know, I was like, sure, that sounds great. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, and that sounds like your first album cover for your yeah, record. Yeah. Sub shops. And weed. Right. Right. So I, I got the job and I, and I loved it. I loved it. I yeah. mean, I was getting the mess beat out of me by these high schoolers and I just loved it. I'm, mm. you know, I've got the size to kind of defend myself. Yeah. Um, so that's it. So I, I moved down to, uh, Nashville a few years later and, and cause I wanted to give music one last go, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, kind of, uh, uh, oh, what ironic that, uh, music city was the thing that made me quit playing music. Yeah. Um, but I, I got a job with Omnivisions as a resource coordinator and my role was, uh, to go pick up kids who were placed in residentials all across the state, but from Nashville, yeah. go pick them up and bring them back for court, wow. for, for home visits, et cetera. 
And then when they turned 18, my job was to go get them and take them to the next spot. So that's where all of this started, really. Yeah. Um, I was dropping these kids off to the worst places imaginable. Jeez. And it was like folks they didn't even know, friends' houses, the worst cases, homeless shelters. Wow. And we were the largest private foster care provider in the state of Tennessee. So in my mind, it's like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. And, and coincidentally, the leadership of, of that organization was feeling the same thing at the same time. Yeah. And um, I put a bunch of research together, met with, with different agencies in the state and put a proposal together. And they gave me uh, about $130,000 to go buy two homes in Nashville. And wow. uh, I started the first independent living academy in 2015. That's incredible. So, so we've been growing from there. That's incredible. Man. Yeah. Wow. You know, I think the thing that um, resonates with what you said, too, is, you know, just the other day, you and I were in conversation and just this this proves your point exactly. Uh, there was a young man who contacted the Bridge House and he aged out of foster care, 19 years old, was not an extension of foster care and calls us up and he says, I'm homeless. I have nowhere to go right now. And I said, well, where are you? He said, I'm just walking the streets in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I was, my first go-to was, I'm going to call Nate, you know, because we're not up and running yet with where we have in, in our expansion for the Bridge House yet. We don't have the, haven't procured those homes yet to be able to allow someone like him to come in to then call you, but we'd still call you either way. Sure. So I, I give you a buzz. And then in, the, in that moment, you know, I'm getting him a hotel for the night. You're setting up things for him so that he can get long-term care um, and, I'm so thankful for that because I think to myself, gosh, this is just one kid Mm -hmm. out of thousands that are walking around trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. And the crazy thing is even when I gave this kid money, right, which I text him, I said, Hey, do you have cash app? He said, yeah. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to text you some money through cash app and I'm going to trust that you're going to do good things with it. And I said, and if, and I would really, be appreciative if you would send me a receipt of the hotel that you're going to stay at. Dude sent me a receipt, sent me a receipt for his food. Hey, here's the food I bought. So he's legitimate. I mean, he's a legitimate, just everything he's saying is lining up, you know? And I think of that one situation only because it's, you times it by thousands and this is something that's there all the time. And it's so sad Mm -hmm. to be able to see what these kids go through and then the expectation that we have for them that's right as they're aging out is just not fair at all yeah for what we think that they're supposed to accomplish an adult by the time they're 18 or 19 years old no question that's crazy i mean how can you again i I go i always go back to my life and and i say how can i relate to any of this um and I was given so much time, yeah, so much and that I, that I didn't, yeah, that I didn't deserve really. But yeah. but that's the that's what my parents signed up for, you know sure. that that was their job, and none of none of these kids have that at all. They have right. zero time, yeah. and so they stay in survival mode. Yeah, and when you're in survival mode, there is nothing long term that you can really plan. Yeah, and um, and so yeah, that young man is is sitting at the Nashville Rescue Mission. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're working with him on our rental assistance program, mm-hmm. um, and then we have a job for him lined yeah. up. So so 
those are very small steps, but then it's kind of a house of cards. Like if right. one, if one thing, like, you know, if someone jumps him in the mission because it's not a very safe place, right? Like he's back on the streets. Right. And, and so it, they're so fragile. Their yes. systems are so fragile yeah. um, that, that we are <laughs> kind of in survival mode with them. Oh, we're no, like, for let's, sure. you know, let's, let's see what we can do as fast as we can do it because yeah. we know that this, can all crumble in a, in an instant. Yes. Um, I mean, I have seen things like flat tires, you know, leading to homelessness. Yes. I mean, it is a cascade effect. hundred percent. Um, things like daycare. I mean, yes. it's crazy. hundred percent. The thing that challenges me so much in this is that, so exactly what you just said inspires me so much for any, and I, I'd say this with the most, uh, with the utmost respect, any organizations that are, are looking to try to help people need to make sure that what they're trying to do doesn't have a ton of red tape around it mm-hmm. to where the monies that are allotted, whether that's through grant money, through foundation, through uh, people that are, 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 are just giving, um, that there's not so much red tape to where you can't meet needs quickly. Because I think there's such a negative, there's a, because people have been burnt before where maybe they gave some money away and then someone, you know, used it for, you know, drugs or mm-hmm. did they didn't use it for food. They use it for alcohol, whatever. But if you have so much red tape before you're going to help someone, you're exactly right. That's it, a house of cards. It crumbles at moments. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the challenges that I have for even when it comes to churches or it comes to organizations. It's like, man, try to find ways to help quick and effectively because you have no idea that if you don't help in that moment and you want them to fill out an application, what you're assuming they have a device to fill out an application. Sure. And they have, and in order to have that, de- uh, that device to be able to use requires some type of subscription, which mm-hmm. you have to have money for, which they right. probably don't have. Right. And so every, these things you're acquiring, they're not going to be able to do. And they, that may have been their one moment for you to sweep them up and help them so that they don't become, uh, another statistic. They don't right. get jumped the next day. They don't end up, uh, you know, maybe they're incarcerated or fill in the blank, or maybe they even, they're not even alive anymore because something happened. I mean, it was just cold outside and they just, you know, Absolutely. you went to bed at night and yeah. it was freezing and they froze to death. Um, and we don't think about those things because we're in our regular day life, but you're so right. Those little moments of like, Hey, a flat tire or Hey, uh, you know, they don't have a vehicle or, um, man, they, they don't have a, the shelter was full that night Mm -hmm. and so they can't get in. And so now what do they do? Those little moments add up to huge things that potentially don't give them a successful future. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a million evidence-based models and practices out, out in the world and those are all great. But at the end of the, of the day, of the day, sometimes it is just 50 bucks for some gas. Yeah. (laughs) It's simple as that. Sometimes it is uh, Hey, I'll put you up in a hotel for two nights before we can get you into this place. Yes. And, and so our, our mission um, is to operate outside of the red tape uh, because we, we, you know, some of our housing programs have some government funding, but um, even even some of that we get creative with. So, because yeah. uh, because it exists, and 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 there are these parameters that you know the the government agencies put on the money that ostracizes a whole bunch of people yes. that that could use it, right. and and so sometimes I'm limited because 
uh, someone applied for my program one day too late. Right. I mean, it, it can come down to that. Wow. And, and so it, it, and again, we get creative and do what we have to do as, as often as we can. Um, because we, we just want to get kids off the streets and yes. we, we want to give them a, a, the proper chance. Um, you know, we, we want to help them build their future. Yeah. And so in order to do that, you've, you know, you've got to kind of walk around a few you things do. here and there. You do. And you have to be willing to, you have to be, you have to be willing and know that you will have situations to where you're burnt. Like yeah. it's going to happen where you no try doubt. to help someone and they're going to make really bad decisions. Yeah. And then, and they may resurface and need help again. That's right. And then we have to ask ourselves, well, what distance are we willing to go? Yeah. Because 100%. if we want cookie cutter, clean organizations and it looks pretty on paper of how we're helping people, then we're not going to ever create any real change. We're no just question. not. It yep. has to be, like you said, you have to out- operate outside of the red tape. It's, it's sometimes a, like you're making decisions. Like I love what you said. You said, um, you said we are, uh, what did you say? You didn't say we were homeless with them, but we're kind of in transit with them yeah. um, as an organization. We're, we're in survival mode. In survival mode. Yeah, you said we're in survival mode with them, which is, a, that is a great thought because you really are. So if you know they're in survival mode and then you de- you decide to engage as an organization to help them, then you're probably going to have to make decisions quickly and you're in survival mode with them when they say, hey, I, I really need this. And then and I think again, a lot of times our ask, our thoughts can be, oh, well, what are they? What's the where you become cynical? What are they really trying to do right now? Mm-hmm. And maybe they are being manipulative, but maybe they're not too. And so, how do we engage with them in survival mode to get them to where they're out of survival mode? Um, and I think that requires a lot of grace, a lot of flexibility, and willingness to um, to be outside the red tape. Yeah, and engage. Well, and at the end of the day, um, what did we sign up for if we didn't sign up to help folks who were going to manipulate us? Thank right? you. I mean, period. Yeah. Um, you know, no, good, grow, growing up in the system, um, in the institution, mm. uh, is going to, and, and I started in, in residential, so I worked, yeah, yeah. you know, in the milieu at, at uh, sexual abuse facilities, mm-hmm. at, at acute care facilities. Yeah. Um, and it is they're tiny prisons yeah. and and the these kids they pick up these behaviors that they didn't have coming in they may right. have they may have tried to punch their mom or something mm-hmm. sure but uh they they weren't uh you know trading contraband right, uh, <laughs> right. you know they 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 weren't uh, manipulating the system they they just uh you know made it made a bad choice um yeah. and and for a plethora of reasons yeah um and and at the end of the day, my most successful young adults are the ones that I've been with for for five and six years. Who in year one, m- most people would say, "All right, it's sorry, you got to go. Yeah, we're we're going to discharge you." Right. Um. And and again, like I remember one day I woke up when I was still living at home, and I said, "Hey, Dad, I need gas money to go." apply for jobs. And mm-hmm. of course my dad was like, sure, let's fill, let's fill it up. And guess what I did? Yeah. I drove three hours to see my girlfriend and <laughs> get wasted. And, and I came back the next day and my dad looked at my gas oh, and my it was gosh. empty and he, he about killed me. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's like in, you know, in the system, right. That that leads to homelessness. Oh, for sure. You know, that's yeah. like, you did this. Oh my gosh. The, the amount of, 
you know, meetings I've been in where folks who, who have, who don't know these kids at all right. come in and, and it's like this punitive, this list of things that they've done wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like, who, that, that's the reason why 60% of young adults who age out of foster care want nothing to do yeah. with staying in the system, mm. even though it's voluntary right. because they're so burnt. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, man, we, we just try to stick with them as long as we can. And we understand like I, when I'm talking to my kids, there, there's always, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but, but I always am suspect that they're lying to me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, always. Yeah, and yeah. and so like, I definitely got to try to maneuver that sure. sometimes. And, and I've built, you know, I've developed tactics and kind of defense mechanisms to that stuff where I can kind of have a lie detector, mm-hmm. but even still, like, yeah. let me, let me tell you a story. So a young lady, uh, I got a call from a landlord and, uh, you know, this, this young lady's, smelling like her apartment smelling like weed mm-hmm. throwing big parties so i give her a call and um and this is not a client that i'm close with this mm-hmm. is a new client and so uh my my staff is you know they're the ones that are close to her mm-hmm. um and i as i'm talking to her you know she's denying it all she's mm-hmm. like no mr Nate, i don't smoke weed I, yeah. I don't like it it you know the whole apartment smokes weed and and then i started I, I don't ever talk down to them, even if I'm yelling at them, yeah, like yeah. I don't ever talk down. And so I'm, I'm using, you know, I'm saying some cuss words to her, like not at her, but just, you know, <laughs> right. just with her. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden she starts to loosen up and she's like, oh, all right, all right, all right, Mr. Nate. All right. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I love smoking weed. You know, I love blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay. So there we made it, we connected. Yeah. And, and she, she lied to me because that's what she's got to do. Right. You know, I, I lied to my parents all the time about that stuff. And right. so, and, and, but when I, when I let her know that she was safe mm-hmm. and, and that, and that her smoking weed and throwing a party, which yeah. is what a 19 year old person does. Yeah. How many 19, you know, 19 year olds, uh, who's, who've got great parents and a great life. How many of them are doing that exact same thing? For sure. Most. Yeah. And so for me, she knew that I understood um, that that even though she was making a mistake, it wasn't a mistake that I was going to throw her to the streets for. And so mm. she opened up, and and I think it's just about building that trust in the relationship, and yeah. and and again taking that that failure and turning it into a reason to build a relationship, so that down the road she's probably going to keep smoking and she's probably going to throw another party. Yeah, like that's going to happen. Right. Um. And and if the apartment complex decides to evict her because of that, there's nothing I can do. Right. But am I the one that's going to say, "Hey, you don't get a second chance. Um, you've got to be perfect and you've got to do it now, or else you're out." Absolutely not. Yeah. Because none of us were. Yeah. And and so I'm I'm hopeful that given time and now given the services that we're wrapping around her mm-hmm. that she will evolve mm-hmm. and she will say all right, you know, maybe I'll you know, smoke weed out of a vape that doesn't smell as bad instead, you know, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's a I mean, small step forward. It's, that's right. I mean, it is, it's, it's, <laughs> that's the, amazing. it's like the opposite of, there's a concept, oh, I'm going to butcher this, but Do it's it. like winning, it. it's like winning with 1%, yeah. like winning the battle by 1% increase. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a 1% increase. It's like, that. yeah, it's like, Hey, 
I'm not asking you to quit smoking. I'm just asking you to don't smell so bad. Yeah. You know, I'm asking you to, to maybe like hide it a little bit better. Yeah. And, and if you're going to drink, don't drink with 50 people in your apartment. Right. Drink with a couple. Yeah. And, and be safe. Like here are, you know, like yeah. don't drive. Right. Um, I know. Cause they're so used to operating in extremes. It's like yeah. everything's extreme. It's like, there's no, Oh yeah. Dial Absolute, back, right. Just conservative right. approach to anything that, right. you know, and a lot of it is because they've just lived in such extreme circumstances. And then when we look at and say to them, Hey, we want you to a little bit more conservatively in your life. Um, they, they, they don't get that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to eat as much as I can possibly eat. I'm going to smoke as much weed <laughs> that's, as possible. That's right. I'm going to drink right. with as many people yep. as much as possible and have as much sex as possible. And then, they end up seeing themselves spiral out, spiral out. But then again, you're right in the sense that where where do you where do we um, stop giving chances so that people can adult and can really start to see love? Because really, I think trust is when we talk about trust and when people are wanting who have when people are wanting to trust, but they have been hurt so much and they haven't been able to trust. Uh, I would say trust really happens in the midst of conflict and tension. No, um, no doubt. I mean, we, we're both married. We know that your marriage is really becomes healthy when you go through trials and you go through hard times together to be able to work through some of these things. And there's tension and conflict and you have to work through it. And you, you, you realize there's something worth fighting for. Trust is there at the center of it. And you're some, sometimes trust is broken, but you're having to do things to rebuild trust. Mm-hmm. And yet that forges your, relationship those are the calluses on your hands and you know from working out those are the that's the sweat and the blood and the tears of of a relationship and i i I really believe it's i i don't know that a lot of people want it to go the that distance right we're so used to that you know motion picture life of hey here's how the movie started and here's how it ended in an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and their life changed and that's what we want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it this just doesn't happen that way. Right. Um, and I think a lot of organizations and people that want to help, they're like, you're exactly right. Hey, you messed up. You're out. Good luck. And I'm not saying that we should, we should uh, put people in a situation where we're enabling them. Sure. But at the same time, I think that you really, you really have to give people time to be able, especially kids who are, 18, 19 years old, you have to give people time to adjust an adult and just work through some things with someone that cares mm-hmm. and realizes like they're not going to kick me out because I make a mistake because that's what they're used to their entire life in that's a foster right. home. That's they right. They had a cell phone. You're out. Had a cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. How many know, kids man. do you know they get kicked out of, oh. of foster homes because they All had the a cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. It, it's that for thee and not for me mentality. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like, uh, you can't mess up, right. but my own kids are probably going to mess up a whole bunch. Yeah. And am I going to leave them? No. no. But I'm going to leave you because yeah. I don't want you in my house anymore because of that cell phone. Yeah. And then that goes on their list for the next foster family or wherever they go. And like you said, there's a list of things of, of their track record for their entire mm-hmm. life that's stacked against them. Mm-hmm. And if you think about, if you and I were to have a list of all the things that we did and every time we did anything, someone looked at that. Mm-hmm. How valued would you feel as a person? Oh, no question. I mean, you want to be like suicidal. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I know I would be. I'd be like, I mean, what's the point? Oh, you're yeah. just going to look at all this and just automatically you have preconceived ideas of who I am and 100%. That that's, you know, the um uh, the folks that, uh, you know, recruit foster parents and, and try to get yeah, them yeah. to take, you know, they they have the file and they say, well, yeah. this kid, you know, did this, 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 and this, and this. And they try to, you know, paint the kid as someone that the foster parent would love to have and then ends up <laughs> the foster parent can't handle them. Right. You know, what, there's this kind of whole system involved. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I the, my most successful kids are the ones that, I have gone through the fire with, yeah. I mean, I mean, ones that, mm. you know, I was, uh, I, I have been done with so mm. many times. And then I, and then I take a breath. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm. <laughs> you know, cause I'm a human too. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, gosh, some of, some of these kids, like, why are you making the same choice for four years in a row? Yeah. Like you've been doing the same thing. And so, of course, naturally, it's like, I don't mm-hmm. want to deal with that, you mm-hmm. know, because I've got my own kids, I've got my career, I've got, yeah. uh, you know, all the things. Sure. Uh, but, but then at the end of the day, you step back and you're like, you, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. There, there are plenty of, of, of folks uh, that I don't talk to now because mm-hmm. it, it just did, it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But the, I think the beauty of establishing that trust is, they they can go out on their own and mm-hmm. they can fail miserably and mm-hmm. and end up being homeless or getting arrested and all sure. these other things but then they remember me mm-hmm. and they and they call back yeah. and and oftentimes the ones who call back and say yeah okay yeah. like i'm ready now those are the ones that we make the most progress with wow. so yeah it's it's a it's a really it's an interesting field it's a tough it's a tough climb yeah um but I'm I'm excited about the the fact that there was someone like you to call me because because mm. I've been on my own I've been in, swimming in an ocean by mm. myself for years wow um, and I think recently in the last couple of years it's been finally getting the the attention it deserves yeah um, and so yeah I'm you know I feel fairly optimistic yeah well dude you're crushing it man what is with your experience with other organizations. Um, you know, if there's people that are listening, because I know we we have listeners from all walks of life. Like, what? How do they help? Like, how? What would you say to them when it comes to this space? You know, obviously, um, you've been doing it a long time. You had a huge heart for it. Um, I think part of it, maybe we've already touched on, just maybe helping with expectations is a big part of it. Um, I know from many conversations that I've had with many people, especially even after the Live One for One event that we had about even just bringing awareness to this. A group of people that are aging out and what they're experiencing, they just didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would you say, I guess, first off to the people that maybe are new to this space, how, how do they help? How do they come alongside this? You know? Sure. So I think, you know, some of the impetus is on the, the existing agencies and, and, you know, the, the programs that are around. Yeah. Um, I think they're the two most obvious ways are donate money sure that's i mean that's 10 bucks yeah. like it, it goes a long way yeah um you know i i just got back from san diego california and i was visiting an agency out there called just in time for foster youth yeah and um they are 97 percent community funded 
Wow. 97%. Talk about what that means a little bit well, when it, it comes to community funding. Sure. So it means that only 3% of their annual budget comes from state contracts. Oh, wow. And so... And, and the one contract they have is for computers and printers mm-hmm. they give out for kids who are about to go to college. Yep. Um, the other 97% is divided into uh, 60% is small donations. Okay. So hundreds and hundreds of people are giving anywhere from $10 yep. to $500. Yeah. And those $10, they, they add up, man. They add over, over time. Yeah. I mean, we have a basic needs program. Uh, where we we kind of reserve a thousand dollars per client per year for like emergency emergency relief, so flat tires, yes, or hey, I lost my job and I can't pay the light bill, right? Whatever it is, um, and so it doesn't take many people to to add up to that one thousand dollars per that client. Yeah. So so small donations are are incredible, right? Um, but then the other way is volunteer your time. Yeah, I mean, there's. Um, there's we we all of us have some dishes that we don't use anymore or mm-hmm. some pots and pans or you know whatever like go like what what you're not using at your house uh will be used at someone else's yeah and so it's like donating your time donating some things that you don't yeah uh, that you don't want anymore yeah for sure um you know, that are in decent condition. Right. Um, we, we are, uh, starting the, the, my first home program. So this is a great kind of pitch, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we want volunteers to donate used couches and mm-hmm. lights and silverware and plates. Um, and we are going to establish kind of a storefront mm-hmm. where once we place a, a young person into an apartment, we're going to bring that person to the storefront, mm-hmm. um, have a bunch of volunteers there, mm-hmm. uh, and they can go essentially shopping. Yeah. So they, they pick out that. what they want. They, they get to have that autonomy and that choice. Yeah. Um, and then our volunteers help. Uh, you know, transport the the stuff to their apartment, furnish it, get to know the kid. Yeah. Um, and then maybe there's one out of the five volunteers that really gravitates toward that person, yeah. and we can um, install a long term, like healthy relationship. I love that. Yeah. That's so, so I good. so there there's um, some cool stuff coming to the state. Um, yeah. You know, the contingent, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be a volunteer recruitment platform as well as a foster parent recruitment platform. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the state of Tennessee, we have a very uh, awful um, <laughs> a, a lack of awareness yeah, uh, yeah. to put it to put it easily, and so no one really knows who's doing what yeah. and and where that is. So just doing the research, like googling, yeah. you know, youth aging out of foster care, Tennessee. Right. Yeah, because it could be our organization, or it could be Chambliss in Chattanooga, or yeah. it could be Monroe Harding, or sure. Free Will Baptist, or yeah. if, or you know. Um, or Omnivision. So, right. I mean, there there are agencies doing the work, and they're always, always interested in partnerships. Yeah, that's good. So, obviously, donating, and also you said volunteering your time. When you're talking about crowdfunding, I wanted you to explain that so people could, or not crowdfunding, excuse me, community funded. When you think about community funded, and 90%, 7% of that organization's budget was uh, was community funded, what was their annual budget? Uh, $7 million. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so, so, at, so their budget's seven million, and they're ninety-seven percent community funded. Yeah, and, so, and only forty percent of that was foundational. So when I say foundational, I mean 
you know, there are big foundations that exist yeah, yeah, in the yeah. world and they have endowments and large right. pots of money. And that still fell under community funded, the foundation piece. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. But oh, only yeah. 40% of it right, was actually, right. okay. 60 wow. is all individual and they, wow. they have an annual report where they, they acknowledge every single donation. I love and that. so whether, again, whether it's $10 or it's a million, yeah. you know, they, they list and they recognize all the folks yes. and, and they don't even call it donating, which I love it. They call yep. it investing, oh, um, I which I, I absolutely I'm love. Steal that. Oh, there's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, it, it's, you know, our, our community or their community is investing yeah. in their own. Yeah. I mean, that's the point. That's like, so good. You know, the, our parents, that's what our parents do. They invest yes. in us. You know, when I uh, woke my kids up this morning, um, and I corrected them for fighting and I cleaned up their, their, uh, uh pancake mess and, yeah. you know, whatever else it, it's like, yeah, I love them. Yeah. But the point is that I'm investing in their future. Yeah, like I'm, so I'm, I'm trying to be a good dad because yeah. I want to teach my three boys how to become successful young men. Yeah. And so when I get on them about whatever it may be, mm-hmm. It's not just because I'm mad, right? <laughs> you know. I mean, I mean, truthfully, like, of course, of course that, up. yeah, yeah, of course that happens. Big but, bears awake. But I try to. I really do. Yeah, right. I really try to take advantage of every learning opportunity that yeah. I can. So the, the point so is, good. is, is that what we're trying to do is replicate that yes. with the community uh, yeah. because we know that the state. For, you know, give them credit for for sure. what they try to do, but we know they're not doing that. No. We we know that that their programming is absent mm-hmm. of organic, like loving relationships, and mm-hmm. as it should be. I mean, yeah. the state shouldn't be responsible for that. Yeah. Um. But but you know, as it was hundreds of years ago, uh, when someone in your community needs something, you're all there to help. Yeah. So and good. and um. So I think there's no reason why we can't quantify that for those thousand young adults aging out of foster care every year. I totally agree, man. I I love how they call it investing. I love that 60% of their budget is just constituents who saying, Hey, we'll give anywhere between 10 or however amount of money to say that we want to invest into our community. And let me let me blow your mind with one yeah, more. Please do. So first of all, just a plug. It's called Just in Time for Foster Youth. They're out of San Diego. Okay. And so um, I think it's sixty five. It's somewhere in the mid sixties. We'll say sixty five percent of their staff mm-hmm. are lived experience kids. What are are yeah? And again, don't. It's like, I think it's middle sixties range. I can't quite remember. Okay. But I'm talking eighteen to like thirty four year olds. And I, I, and I mean entry level positions up to uh, senior level management positions. Oh my god! Like they have really leaned into hiring their own people, I which is that. unbelievable. I wonder what the retention rate is because of that. High, is it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, if you and I got to meet a lot of them, and I mean, they're all like, dude, I'm kind of mad that you didn't invite me to this. Jeez, I'm telling Thought you, we were man. partners here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, we. <laughs> The first, the first thing we went and, and looked at was the My First Home program. That's where, yeah. I, that's where I got it from. Okay, gotcha. And because we are working with them to actually adopt some of their yeah, models. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and so we, we pull in and uh, we see this warehouse. And, you know, I, like having secondhand stores and, and, you know, 
donating things. That's not a new concept. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they were treating it as a store mm-hmm. and inviting their clients to come in mm-hmm. And go shopping, and mm. not and not just saying, "Oh, here I've got this couch. Do you want it?" It's like yeah. I've actually got five couches. Pick which one you want. Yeah, yeah. I, that in itself blew me away. But then there was this young lady. Uh, she was, I think, I don't know, nineteen, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think her name was Alyssa, and she was the program manager for the home, uh, the My First Home program. Yeah. And she was just giving us the tour and and talking about capacity building and how uh-huh. she wanted to expand and and how she was uh, you know trying to kind of uh, reformat some of the processes and all this mm-hmm. and come to find out she just left the just in time program like I don't know a couple months ago oh, wow. like she went through all of the programming and now she's giving back to the kids uh, by being a part of that that yeah. staff. It it absolutely blew me away. Jeez. Now that, you you took one of your kids with you to this. I did. Yeah. And, um, how what was his experience like oh. to seeing it? I mean, was he just? I mean, he must have been on cloud nine because he, he aged out of foster care. He did. Um, super smart kid. Yep. He. It. To be honest with you, it was almost sad to see because you you could we we went to a Thanksgiving dinner and mm. there were about a hundred former participants at this dinner. Yeah, yeah. And and it wasn't like we're used to stuff like that here, but it's like it's it's um most of them are kind of forced to go because the state wants them to or or they get kind of paraded in front of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh this was a family gathering. Mm. And and in fact, they it was off limits for the non-participant staff uh, to go because mm. they wanted to save the room for the for the young adults, um, and and I was in line with with my uh, my young adult, and he was just kind of surveying the landscape, and you mm-hmm. can just see this look on his face, like, what could I have done mm. if I had this? Wow, you know, like what? Where would my life be today? And and he's you know, by a, a lot of metrics, a successful kid for sure. And got a lot of, a lot of, uh, potential. Absolutely. Um, but, but I can just see, he's like, this is the family that I wish I would have had wow. when I turned 18. Wow. Um, and, uh, and, and he loved it. And, and I wanted to, to bring him with us to really give that lived experience, mm-hmm. um, input. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, it, it was great. I mean, it was absolutely great. I, I came home on cloud nine and, wow. uh, and I'm working with him. You know, my goal is to, to repeat their, uh, their staffing, uh, goal. And, and mm-hmm. I, I want to hire him as soon as I can to wow. actually be part of our marketing team. Dude, that'd be um, we're, you know, could talk about capacity building. That's where we're at right now. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I, there, there are, I said this a while ago, but I, I think the the so many of the young people that are aging out of foster care are the next generation of social workers mm. because so many of them want to give back yeah, and they you're want to right. help but they but maybe they can't get through a four year college program mm-hmm. um, so like why do I need a bachelor's degree to hire someone who's going to do great at the job I need them to do yeah and so. I've definitely changed my mindset. And as we grow and, and our capacity grows, um, there's no doubt that I'm going to lean into to looking at our own clients. I love that. Yeah. It is always really interesting to me when I hear a lot of leadership podcasts talk about 
and I actually just had a conversation with this with an individual as well who's pretty prominent in our community who talks about they made a statement and said, you know, college isn't for everyone and, you know, there's so many other avenues that people can go and I'm a, I'm a believer in that too. I think the biggest thing is that you're just investing into yourself regardless of what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be a trade school, that might be both, might be you're going to college um, for some type of vocation and you're deciding, hey, I want to, I don't want to have a trade as well that's mm-hmm. a potential vocation. Um, so I think you can do either one or it may say, man, I'm just such an entrepreneur. Like I want to get into real estate and some other things and fill in the blank. Um, but the problem is a lot of times is that when you have these, when you have a lot of these employers, they're, they're not hiring to values and they're not hiring to motivation as much as they're hiring to what's on paper. Mm -hmm. It's almost just like the foster care system in that sense of like, Hey, let me look at your everything that you have on your paper and that's going to determine whether or not we're even going to interview you. And so their pool is much smaller. And really we all know that if you, for the most part, unless you're, you know, you, you have to obviously have certifications for various different things that you're doing as it relates for healthcare, for example, you know, you can't decide, you know, you're going to go work on patients sure, and sure. just have motivation. You obviously have to have clinical <laughs> yeah. experience and things just like that. Throw you in, we'll, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you still, there are so many positions that are phenomenal positions that people could potentially on-ramp into. And just by working in there and being coached within, you think of how I've heard it said, if you can hire someone who has 50% of what you need within, because they're, they're working a 40 hour week, Mm -hmm. they're going to learn the other 50%. Mm -hmm. And if they have 50% of what you need and they have the values that you want in the drive, let them learn the other part and then their retention is going to go through the roof because right. they feel they see it as an opportunity where a lot of times when people have everything on paper, they see you're doing you're they're doing you a favor mm-hmm. by coming into your organization. And that's so flip flopped. Mm-hmm. So then you get someone else who has 50% of what do you need? They're thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm going to prove myself. Right. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to, uh, they took a chance on me. Um, I'm going to show them that I'm worth it. Um, and you give people an opportunity that maybe didn't, maybe would never have an opportunity to really create a life for themselves. And then their success stories motivate so many other people, you know? Um, and I, I am a firm believer in that hiring to value values, hiring to motivation. Um, and when you're talking about that organization, who's doing that with those kids, I mean, it does not surprise me at all that they have such a high retention rate, right? Because they're saying, Hey, they took a chance on me. They mm-hmm. could have easily put, various different levels of certifications needed, but instead maybe they need those certifications and they hire me and then I get to do them while I'm working right. or something like that. Yeah. Um, that still gives them a chance to give back and yeah. do what they want to do. Yeah. And, and on top of, uh, of all of that, I think the day I was there, they had 300 active volunteers. Good Lord. So, and, and you know, those, those volunteers times kind of on a spectrum. So some yeah. give, some give a day every couple of months, sure, some, sure. some, you know, are with the kids every week. Yeah. Um, but then this, this conversation also kind of ties into the, what can we do to help? Yeah. If, you know, when I was at the, uh, live one for one event, yeah. um, there was a gentleman that came up to me and said, Hey, I'm a hiring manager with AT&T yeah. and I, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we have a high turnover rate and yeah. I would love to work, you know, actually give back and work with, with your people. Yeah. Uh, here's my card. Yeah. And, and so if there's anyone listening who is in that position, yeah. um, it, you know, reach out, 
and mm-hmm. and and give the chances because there are agencies and another plug there's an agency called viable mm-hmm. um and and their mission is to develop relationships with uh employers mm-hmm. and and kind of walk alongside uh, the young adults as they're kind of navigating through that employment process. So um, and, instead of just kind of throwing them out there and like a temp agency and saying, Hey, well, I've got this job. Why don't yeah. you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so if there's anyone who's, you know, business owners or hiring managers or yeah. executives, yeah. I mean, reaching out and giving those young folks the chance and then, you know, having a little bit of patience yeah. uh, goes a long way. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good, man. Dude, I could talk to you for ages I know, about man. this. This could go on and yeah, on. Absolutely. And I appreciate it. Dude, I appreciate you. And, you know, for those of you just kind of wrapping up, you know, if you if they want to partner with Omni Family Foundation, you know, you guys are doing a great work. And I think it's important for people to know, you know, uh, the Bridge House is definitely, for those that are listening, you know, we provide transitional housing for kids that are in custody, but then we're expanding to providing housing for children that are aging out of foster care or facing homelessness ages 18 to 20. Uh, but really, it's it's not about one organization who's who can do it all. Really, we're just a, a ch- uh, link in the chain that could potentially next hold hands with that individual to then they could come into Omni Family Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's really important to kind of to know what the organizations are that are 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 working hand in hand together. Um, and because when people know that, know that they're giving toward, they see like, okay, this is again, kind of going back to quantifying success, they're saying, okay, this is successful, you know, with Mm -hmm. what these people are doing and they're very intentional about their partnerships and they're very intentional about what they're doing and in this handholding process to get someone who comes into uh, aging out of foster care and they don't become homeless because, okay, you know, Bridge House swept them up and now now they're connecting with OmniFamily. OmniFamily's taking them. They got this My First Home project. They're getting them independent living. Now they're starting to, go to driving school and they're on ramping and various different things in, the, in that aspect of their life. And so I'd really encourage anyone listening to just um, research more about the bridge house, research more about Omni family foundation, see what they're doing and how do they support you guys if they want to give to what y'all are doing? Sure. So right now uh, our website is, uh, www.omnifamilyfoundation.org. Yep. Um, we, as I talked to you a little bit about earlier, we're about to do a full scale rebrand. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Over the, over the next uh, couple of months. But yeah. as of right now, that's the best way is go to the website. Um, and there's a donate tab. We'd, yep. we'd love to partner Which we'll with. Which will soon say invest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, no question. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta make sure it's not proprietary, I guess. But, yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. but, but yeah, um, you know, we, we, and, and my email is on the website. So yeah. again, for those that, that don't necessarily have the money to give, that's mm-hmm. okay. Let's talk about your time. Yeah. You know, let's talk about like where you are in life. Mm-hmm. Like what, what, you know, do you have that you could easily just kind of yeah. give, give away? And, right. and, I, and by that, I mean, employment services or, yes. you know, or, or, uh, you know, a kitchenware set or, yeah. or whatever. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of options. Yeah, for yeah. sure, man. No, it's so good. Well, dude, thank you so much for being on. I'm so thankful that we have you in Tennessee who, um, like you said, you've been kind of in the ocean alone for a while and I'm hope I'm glad that you, there's more awareness that's coming to the table and there's no doubt that, I mean, I uh, just believe that God's going to continue to use you guys and use you specifically, bro, as you're just reaching these lives. So I'm thankful for you, man, especially with what you've done in my life personally to help us with the Bridge House and know what we're doing 
uh, know what we're doing well and uh, have someone that we can kind of hold our hand through our process as we sure. expand. So it's going to well, be good. It, the pleasure's mine, man. It's been absolutely fantastic to, to meet you and get to know you. I'm excited. Hopefully, we're going to get some food after this. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, know, I'm actually thinking, what are we going to eat right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think... Uh, the the Bridge House and Omni partnership is going to be lasting, mm. um, and and you are filling a space that we couldn't fill mm. and that we really need, mm. um, and so I'm ex- I'm I'm extremely excited about what's yeah. to come. Man, what an amazing conversation with my man Nate! I truly am inspired by this man's passion for youth that are aging out of foster care and uh, my biggest takeaway is when he said these youth are in survival mode and we need to be in survival mode with them which causes us to be flexible and lower expectations providing opportunities of grace so we can really see them succeed and i hope this conversation blessed you all and as always live one for one